0: Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. I've got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today that I'm very, very excited about. If you listen to our podcasts enough, either through the Figured Out Baseball website or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or other platforms, you know that the majority of our podcast guests are uh, college baseball coaches, but occasionally we like to... Uh, deviate from that we bring in some pro coaches some pro players from time to time and sometimes people that are involved in other things uh, sports related that are off the field and today we're being joined by one of those types of contributors to the website we're being joined on the podcast today by Tony Langens, who is a sports dietitian the sports dietitian I should say um, at Oregon State University Tony has uh, contributed quite a bit of content to the website so if you have not checked it out I recommend that you do so you can find her videos at Figured Out baseball.com where tony will discuss a lot of things that are um, relevant for baseball players when it comes to nutrition and how you should be properly taking care of your body to uh, to maximize your performance i'll give you a quick background on tony before we jump into questions with her today today's podcast is brought to you by diamond kinetics tony is originally from greenfield indiana She graduated from Indiana State University in 2014 with a degree in dietetics. While she was at Indiana State University, she also competed on the track and field team. Uh, Right after graduating, the summer of 2014, she completed a performance nutrition internship at Baylor University. And beginning that fall, she worked at Washington State University as a sports dietitian. She then spent some time in Okinawa, Japan on a military base, aiding Marines and their families with their nutritional needs. She got her master's degree of Business Administration and Master's Certificate in Marketing from Washington State University while she was there. Uh, after that, she was hired at Oregon State University, appointed as uh, the Director of Sports Nutrition at Oregon State in September of twenty nineteen at Oregon State University. Tony is responsible for planning development implementation evaluation and management of nutrition services provided to all of Oregon State's athletes, more than 500 student-athletes that Tony um, is directly responsible for at Oregon State University. Tony, thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I obviously am very passionate about nutrition, and so anytime I get to share it with others, I do get pretty excited about that.
0: And I think you can see that in your videos that you contributed for us. Would you mind just taking a minute to tell people that maybe haven't checked out your videos? Could you give them just a real brief summary of some of the videos that you've shared on our website, Tony?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Of course, one of the biggest things I always talk about is hydration. So obviously that had to be one of my first videos, and then I do discuss all of the food groups and what each of those can be doing for your body, um, kind of to educate on not missing out on any of those and why you need to have a good balance. I also do have a video on the pre-workout and post-workout, and most of you might be thinking that is supplement-related, but that is more what you should be consuming before and after workouts, and then also one on perceived exertion. So how to manage and put what you put on your plate and what you eat that day in relation to how hard your training was that day. I think I have one or two more ones, um, but those are the ones off the top of my head that I remember.
0: So there's a couple things right there, honestly, that I'd like to talk to you about. But but first, I'd like to ask you just a little bit about um, the training exertion. And if we can just kind of expand on that video a little bit. If um, if I'm going to have, if I know I'm going to have a really hard day, either I know that I, I have a planned lift coming up that's going to be a pretty, uh, you know, a hard day where I'm gonna, really going to try to get after it, or if I have, you know, some difficult a difficult practice day or, or several days in a row coming up of hard practice, is, is it more important to fuel my body with a certain, you know, with, with a, I guess, specific nutrition either before those events, like a day or so before to prepare, or more important, like on the day of, to, to fuel either like, you know, before and after that practice, just kind of curious about the, the timing of, of nutrition and how much the timing plays a part in it, either, you know, before or after I've even heard some people say that, um, and I'm, I'm obviously no expert, but you know, after a good lift, you have X amount of time after that lift wh- where your muscles are recovering to, you know, to take a, have a protein shake or, or eat some protein or whatever. And that's like your maximum, um, or your optimal time to, uh, to recover so just kind of curious tony if you could talk a little bit about just the timing of nutrition when it comes to difficult practices or difficult lift days and if if the before or after nutritional phase is maybe more important than the other
1: yeah so i would there's a couple of things i'd like to hit on there so day of is going to be your most important so before and after planning accordingly to if you know it's going to be a longer practice day a harder practice day lift um, maybe both and so that would be not only protein but carbohydrates as well so anytime that your heart rate gets around 70 percent or more of your mats that's actually when you start burning those carbohydrates instead of your fat source so a lot of people think "Ooh, if i go into practice uh, on an empty stomach, I'll burn my fat. That's not exactly how it works. Uh, your body will just start using your energy stores, but not in a good way. Uh, it'll make you way more sore and less likely to recover. So it's really important that day of you're planning accordingly. And the day before is also great, but that's more for competition if you have a double header. But if you are depleted, it makes a big difference if you plan You know, the day before, two days before. But the hope is if you plan accordingly more day of eat appropriately the day of you won't get to that deficit where you have to start working on it a couple days before if that makes sense
0: it does what about teams that lift really early in the morning where guys are I shouldn't say just guys guys or girls are basically waking up and going to the weight room um do you does it make a big difference if they, I mean, would you, would you strongly recommend that they get up and try to put some food in their stomach beforehand? Or do you, I mean, is it, is it, is it not that big of a deal as long as they eat, you know, shortly after? Does it make that big of a difference to, to try to eat something beforehand?
1: Yeah, it really does. And so here at OSU, we do have a couple different lift groups um, just because we have one main strength coach and, you know, 40 guys on the roster and so they'll split them up two groups to have a little bit more one-on-one attention. Um, and, of course, pitchers will lift separately as well. But typically speaking, they're in at 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. And so those are early morning times. And so we really like to educate here on getting something in your system because if you don't have that energy available to your body that morning, it's going to start digging into your muscle stores, and that reduces your recovery in the long term, It can lead to injuries in the short term. And so making sure that they get something in. And I have some different tips on that, too, because it's sometimes really hard to eat in the morning, especially if you're not used to it. And so a couple of things that we have them do, obviously, the ideal would be getting carbohydrates and a little bit of protein before a morning workout. But if you just can't stomach it at that point, you can start with some Gatorade or some fruit or fruit juice something a little easier on the stomach and lighter and maybe work your way up and then another thing you can do is if you know either you're going to have a very little amount or you know you just can't eat in the morning to make a heavier night snack the night before and so you can actually top off your glycogen stores or that carb muscle energy stores and so the next morning even though you are going to kind of use your stores you at least have them to spare and so Ideal would be, you know, 30 to 60 minutes prior to workout, having carbs and a little bit of protein. That's goal number one. But if you can't do that, having a couple of sips of Gatorade would be great. And doing that for the night snack the night before, about 30 to 60 minutes before bed.
0: For student athletes or just, you know, anybody that exercises, I suppose, who um, has a really hard time working out with a full stomach. Is uh is is does it need to does that morning meal before a lift need to be like full meal size or if is it okay if it's just something something smaller a smaller amount just to have something in your stomach does how does that make a lot of difference is it okay to eat just a little bit so that guys aren't you know they're they're not feeling it in their stomach I guess when they're trying to work out
1: oh definitely um if you just have so on average now again on average everybody is a little bit different height weight etc. Um, but typically you will burn about one gram of carb per minute. And so if your workout, say is 60 minutes and that's 60 grams of carb. Um, and so really you can get away with having like two pieces of toast, half or a full bagel. That's going to be a good enough situation, or you can nibble on a little bit of something and have Gatorade in your water bottle while you're working out, um, one of the things I really, really don't like is when people try to rely on something like a pre workout supplement to get them through the morning workout. Um, that's not a great way to do it. It actually will cause you to be more sore because what uh, pre workout does typically is does something called vasoconstriction, which is making your blood vessels smaller and you feel pumped and hyped because your heart is racing, but that's because your heart's working way harder and that's going to cause a little bit more soreness. So I call that fake energy. So if you are, aren't are sleeping well, you don't hydrate well, and you're not eating well, then you might need that pre-workout to get through your training, but you really shouldn't need to have to rely on that.
0: So that's one of the other things I wanted to talk about were supplements, Tony. Um, are there pre-workout supplements that you would recommend, or do you find that all of them that, that you're aware of that you've been introduced to do, they, do, do none of them have the real effect that you'd like them to have on a, on a lift or a workout?
1: Um, I'm not going to condemn all pre-workouts, uh, but the supplement industry in general, it is not regulated by any governing body. And so if you get something that is not third-party tested, um, and that would be something like NSF certified or informed choice, you don't actually know what's in it, which is really quite scary. And so there's been, you know, research all over the place that will come back and say, hey, what's on this label is not even what's in the product. And so that's really scary. And so if you were to do a supplement, making sure you're doing a third party tested supplement, but to go back to the pre-workout, I really don't like many of them. And I'm not going to say they're all bad, uh, but typically there's you know, a high quantity of caffeine in it more than where you're going to get that ergogenic aid, which would be like about a cup of like one cup of coffee or so could be a benefit to you. Um, But typically getting a carb in and a little bit of caffeine would be good. But those large lump sums, um, that's what's going to make you actually a little bit more sore. Um, And then also, if you're thinking about how jittery it makes you sometimes, um, that usually doesn't aid your performance whether
0: on the field or in the weight room what about just caffeine in general since you brought that up um do you like your athletes to stay away from caffeine do you do you ask them to limit it do you uh, um it's kind of a normal consumption if you know if somebody has a coffee or uh, a tea or a caffeine drink during the day a red bull or whatever is that is that okay as long as it's limited or just generally speaking what are your thoughts on caffeine because i think that's a, a supplement that a lot of people just don't give a lot of thought to Uh, But, but, you know, most of our audience, Tony are, are either involved in high school or college um, Uh baseball, I think, or, or other, maybe other sports, but mostly baseball, obviously and a lot of, at that level, some, you know, some older, some younger, but just generally speaking, because caffeine is usually not thought of as something to really worry much about. Just kind of curious about your thoughts about that and how you talk to your own athletes about their caffeine consumption.
1: Yeah, so first and foremost, I have to acknowledge that caffeine is technically a banned substance by the NCAA. However, that's been large quantities. And so that would, the likelihood of, you know, reach a large quantity that creates it, that makes it banned is not very likely. But I do have to acknowledge that. I will actually recommend, you, depending on the sport, now if you're a golfer, I actually don't really recommend it. Um, because it could potentially make you shaky and not really help your performance. Um, But if you're needing the extra energy, um, and it can actually, your body can use caffeine as sort of a replacement before it starts using your stores, but up to a certain point. Um, So drinking like one or two cups of coffee prior to competition um, it could actually be beneficial. Uh, but again, you always need to try something in practice before you try it in a competition, of course. Um, but daily consumption of probably around 160 milligrams, 200 milligrams or less would actually be appropriate for most people. Now, everyone's different sizes and different people's body metabolizes it differently. Um, the other thing on caffeine is it has a pretty long half-life which means it stays in your body for kind of a long time and so sometimes in college students uh, i will see them drinking coffee because they're studying and it's maybe a little bit later and then their sleep is disrupted and sleep is when you your hormones regulate themselves and your muscles really recover and so if you're drinking coffee or caffeine of any form a little too late um, even if you can fall asleep okay and you don't feel like it affects you it will actually still disrupt your sleep and your REM cycle in some form
0: it's funny that you say that usually I
1: recommend not like after you know 1 p.m is kind of that Uh, obviously depends on when you go to sleep um and how fast your body metabolizes it but usually I just recommend uh, not after 1 p.m or so wow
0: it's funny that you say that just um (laughs) my wife can't drink caffeine later in the day and if she does like sometimes she'll have trouble falling asleep, but sometimes even when she does fall asleep, she's, uh, she's kind of a, an animated dreamer to begin with. And she'll have just the craziest dreams when she, yeah, <laughs> on a day yeah. when she has caffeine later in the day.
1: Yeah. And there's some people who are so sensitive to caffeine that they can't even have chocolate at night because there are trace amounts. Um, that's not very common, but there are some people that are on that, in that spectrum, <laughs> which I'm glad I'm not one of them. Yeah, but. I'm
0: glad I'm not one of them either. Um, what about what about post workout, Tony? Or, um, can you maybe can you maybe discuss post workout supplements a little bit and whether there are any that you actually do recommend to student athletes and and maybe any that uh, if they exist any that you recommend that athletes really stay away from? I don't know if there are any of those, but would you mind just talking a little bit about maybe maybe the uh, both ends of the spectrum the the, the very you know the, the good stuff you'd recommend and the pretty bad stuff you definitely recommend to stay away from.
1: Sure, and I guess um, to go back on the pre-workout, this a lot of people don't think of this as falling into pre-workout, but a collagen supplement prior to blood flow can actually really help um, with baseball and softball players because of the stress that you put on your ligaments and joints. So that's something to consider taking um, pre-workout. Um, a precursor to collagen is going to be citrus fruits. So even something like drinking orange juice before a workout can um, have a little bit of boost in that um, on that side of things. But to go back to your uh, second question would be the post-workout. And so after a workout, your muscle protein synthesis can be increased by quite some some much. I want to say, I want to say a hundred to one hundred and forty percent increase in muscle protein synthesis. Um, somewhere in that ballpark. And so what that means is you can really really highlight. That's why I kind of call it the sandwich approach. You sandwich your workouts. The most time that you really need to focus on your nutrition going to be before and after your workout because that's when you can really get the biggest bang for your buck as far as that goes. And so making sure after a workout getting protein and carbohydrates in. A lot of people only focus on the protein. But again, back to that, once you get over around 70% of your VO2 max or max heart rate, you're burning through those carbs, that glycogen. Um, So making sure you replenish it, because if you don't, that's when you get sore. Um, You feel like you hit a wall and you get sluggish by the end of the week. And so making sure you get kind of almost generally, it's going to be about three times the amount of grams of protein, which is shocking to a lot of people. And so I always recommend getting... At least a snack within 30 minutes and a meal within two hours if you can or um say for example what you brought up earlier the morning workouts so afterward you're going to get you know your breakfast and so if you do the meal within, minutes then just make sure you get a next two hour uh, mark so making sure you do kind of both of those and as far as if you can get a full meal great you actually don't need to do a supplement But if you are at the gym or maybe you're getting ready for class and you know you can't get a sit-down meal for the first two hours, that's when a supplement would be super appropriate. And so you can either do an addition to or if you know you're in a hurry doing something like a whey protein uh, or a soy isolate if whey doesn't settle well, um, both of those things would be good. Now, I do like to always point out a lot of those supplements that are maybe a pure whey or a pure um, soy isolate don't have carb in it. Um, So you either need to find something that does or mix it with milk or make sure you do something like eat a banana or a bagel on the side of it.
0: Just generally speaking, would you prefer that your student athletes take post-workout supplements, just something like a protein shake or whatever? Or generally speaking, do you tell them that if they eat well enough, they don't need it, and you prefer that they don't take one?
1: So it kind of depends on, you know, what the – I like to meet every student with where they're at, first of all. Um, So everyone's going to be a little bit different. Um, But I really like to encourage the eating whole food, and the reason for that is there's so many different – micronutrients and macronutrients that you'll get in a food, whereas if every day after your workout you're drinking the same supplement, you might not get that variety, which actually is going to aid your body a little bit better. So a lot of micronutrients will actually help your body use those carbs, fats, proteins effectively. And so if you're kind of skipping those um, because you're going to a more narrowed down supplement, then sometimes it's a little harder on your body. Um, Now, if you're drinking a whey protein shake, that is fast reacting. So I'm not going to say, hey, don't do that. Eat the food instead. Um, They're both going to be okay. But one of the big things I like to teach people is, you know, you're not going to be an athlete forever. And so I don't want people being 50 years old and thinking they need a protein shake after every 30-minute walk or whatever. So I, I try to encourage them to get whole food, get all the food groups. They all work really synergistically together um, to help in workout recovery. So, for example, um, instead of drinking a protein shake after your workout and you have something like a piece of salmon, uh, that's going to have some omega-3s, which can lower inflammation, um, and that's just one example. But those different things, there are some other effects that come along with it, um, which is what kind of excites me about, uh, the food first philosophy.
0: When you say whole foods, Tony, just to put a definition on it, you've mentioned whole foods a couple times now. Um, can you just, can you give me a quick definition of what that is? Just so people listening, they're all, they're all really clear on what you mean by that.
1: Yeah. And so one of the things I will say that I did when I first got out of college, I thought, you know, everything had to be perfect. You had to get your peanut butter that didn't have sugar in it or hydrogenated oils Um, but now I understand that that's not always practical for everybody. So when I say whole foods, I'm not saying you can't do frozen vegetables or packaged goods. All those things have their time and place. Um, but when I say whole foods, it's more of, instead of focusing on a supplement or a pill, um, it's going to be something that you can identify. Is this a carb? Is this a protein? Is this a fat, a vegetable, a fruit? Um, so kind of being able to identify what you're consuming, what food group it falls into and thinking, okay, yeah, I did just work out. So this is appropriate and kind of being able to identify that.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Diamond Kinetics. No matter what season you're in, our friends at Diamond Kinetics are here to help you train smarter and get better so you can dominate on the field this season. DK's line of mobile-based motion technology products give players and coaches the ability to practice smarter, practice more effectively, and have more confidence in the batter's box and on the mound. DK's pitch tracker smart baseball and mobile app provides easy-to-understand data, metrics, and pitching analysis right at your fingertips. You'll immediately see velocity, spin rate, and spin direction on all of your pitches. And newly updated features such as auto pitch detection, plus newly added metrics such as spin efficiency and horizontal and vertical break help you get command and control over your entire arsenal of pitches with diamond kinetics you will train smarter and get better and have more confidence on the field this spring when you get student athletes on campus are, are there any are is there anything you could point to that are sort of like maybe the the most common deficiencies Maybe I shouldn't even call it a deficiency, but but the most common areas that you are teaching student athletes, like like most of your student athletes showing up on campus, just are totally unaware of this or have a misperception of this. Do you do you have any of those that you can point to, Tony? Because again, people listening to this, I you know, I want to give them practical things they can take with them. And and obviously if there's someone listening to this that's that's either you know an early teenager or working with early teenagers like if maybe there's something here that we can give them to kind of get them on a, on a better track nutritionally are there some of those things that you find that are sort of the most most common things that, that you try to to change or at least educate people on when they show up to campus?
1: Oh yeah uh, there, there's so many um, So first of all of course I work with generally elite athletes so some of this is more focused toward that um, but I do get a lot of students student athletes that come in, um, the biggest one is not really knowing how to grocery shop appropriately, um, meaning they'll go and maybe get something for one or two meals and then they're out of things or they only get stuff for dinner and forget completely that they need to have snacks and lunch packed. Um, so that's a big one, learning how to grocery shop and making a grocery list. Um, not knowing how to cook is really, really big. Um, learning how to chop. How to make different meals. You get really sick of spaghettis and tacos if that's all you can make, um, and deli sandwiches. So trying to encourage trying new things and um, learning how to cook a little bit because that's going to serve you for the rest of your life. Uh, so try to encourage that as well. Um, another one is not really understanding how important sleep is, and I know it's really hard when you're a student and an athlete. And you have so many other things. Maybe you have a job um, and but sleep it can help tremendously. It's one of the easy. It's free. Uh, it's one of the easy things you can do to really bump up your performance. And then with that would be hydration. Uh, not understanding how important hydration can be for reducing injuries. Um, but then the other biggest one is just the power of food. I just don't think. And coming from an athlete background, when I was in high school, I don't think anyone spoke to me about eating right after a workout or trying to eat snacks throughout the day or how important food could be to make me feel good the next day. Um, I just don't think it's discussed enough, and I think there's a lot of food fear. Um, Maybe it's fear of carbohydrates or people saying to eat clean is another buzzword that's going around, or a lot of parents tell their kids not to eat before they go to bed uh, or right before sleep. I just think a lot of that food fear um, does actually hinder people's use of food as a performance and answer.
0: Well, this podcast is now going to be several hours long because of all those things you
1: just brought. <laughs> I know. I was like, wow, how long do you have? <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, a lo-
0: there's a yeah, lot of things, one we of the things talk. I do. with uh, One of the things I do with freshmen is a question game where I have
1: everyone stand up and uh, there's an answer A and an answer B, and I ask questions and I have. If you think the answer is A, you go one way and B, the other way. And if you're wrong, you sit down. So it just goes on until you have a winner. Um, But I do that because I like to kind of weed out what are some of the inherent thoughts and feelings around food that people already have um, and what they might have learned from their parents or coaches might not be accurate. So I try to kind of get that at the beginning so I can uh, be more targeted with my education with them.
0: All right. So I'm going to ask you something that may be a little bit off topic, but it's, but it's not at the same time. Do, uh, do these nutritional things that you'll talk about, do they change over time? And part of the reason i ask that is because like, again, just speaking to my own house, I try to be as healthy as possible. So does my wife. And we have three little kids at home and, and we're trying to teach them good nutritional habits. And like our kids, they, they cook with my wife and things like that when she's, um, you know, when she's cooking, whether it's dinner or, 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 you know, making Christmas cookies or whatever. Um, but we want to teach them good habits, but my wife and I try to, you know, we don't we don't try to snack after dinner, and if we do, it's maybe like I might have an orange or something like that. But but it seems it sounds like you know for maybe college age student athletes, that's not as big of a deal, and and kind of the same in the morning, like we try to. I, I know both of us exercise before we eat. Maybe that's not the right thing to do for us either. But I just I'm just curious as to you know when it comes to like parents teaching their kids, um, are there different nutritional habits that are healthier for you know me a 37 year old as compared to. You know, if I my, I have a seven-year-old who's my oldest right now. So, but as she becomes a teenager and my other kids grow up and if they want to play sports and uh, is is nutrition for an athlete different than just say the average adult, you know, would I be teaching my kids something different than I'm doing? Like typically as a as a parent, you don't, you know, you, you want to practice what you preach, but is this a situation where you don't necessarily want to do that? Because what might be right for, you know, a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old is not going to be the same things that are right for me nutritionally.
1: before you go to sleep thing um now if i'm a sedentary 50 year old then like i don't need my ice cream cone before bed um, something like that or if you and your wife do easier workouts in the morning and your heart rate doesn't get that high or you're not training for anything maybe it's not that big a deal if you use a couple of your like some of your glycogen stores and so I I do think there's, like, a little bit of variety there, Um, and maybe if you haven't worked out in a couple days, you don't need as many snacks as what your kids probably will if they're running from activity to activity, and so one of the big things I see just from my background of working with families that have kids in general when I was at the Marine Base is just making sure you don't do too many, like, negative words around food or a lot of fear mongering around different types of food um i don't know that that's typically what um having open conversations about it and not necessarily in a negative way or weight related way uh is what i have found is a little bit more beneficial or if you're on a fad diet um talking about it all the time with your Mm -hmm. um I, this one gets me about if coaches are on fad diets and they're trying to get their students sh- on it um that kind of kills me a little bit inside uh, hmm. so I usually try to recommend not to do
0: that yeah we don't we don't do that I think we eat pretty normally <laughs> I definitely I eat up and eat a lot and our, our kids are different because they'll you know we eat dinner and like you know shortly after that we're getting them ready for bed so it's like dinner is almost like a pre-bed kind of snack for them whereas you know my, my wife and I stand up a little bit more but I was just curious about that because there are some things that I know how my body feels and I kind of do what I think makes my body feel right. But it, also realizing that that might not be the best thing for my kids as they're getting older. They, they, you know, I know for myself as a teenager, I was eating like fourth meal at, you know, at, at 10, 11 o'clock at night. And, um,
1: yeah, you know, if I did that
0: now, that wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a good thing for me. Um,
1: yeah. The fourth meal at Taco Bell. <laughs>
0: fourth meal Taco Bell or just, you know, where, well, I, where I grew up, there was no Taco Bell close, but I was going to put some chicken in the oven or whatever and, and, and eat it because I was hungry again. You know, as a teenager, I was hungry at, at 10, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, again, if I did that now, it would be pretty bad news, I think. Right, right, right. Um, let's talk about uh, sleep. And I want to specifically bring up something that I had read. Or heard or something uh, about a major leaguer. I won't mention who, but but basically, it's a uh, it was a major leaguer who was on a team. He was a pretty young guy, had a really good college career, was a first round pick, and he was on a, a, a team with a guy who's you know a future Hall of Famer. And and ultimately, what I read was that um, the the veteran told the young guy that you need to get more sleep. He was getting like the younger guy was getting like seven hours of sleep. The veteran said that he gets tries to get ten hours of sleep every night. And, and what I read said that when this when the rookie got you know changed his habits and started getting 10 hours of sleep like then he had an all-star year and since then he's been one of the best players in the league you know I don't I don't know about that but I just I'm curious to you if I can ask you just um, what what you believe the optimal amount of sleep is for an athlete that's gonna push their body pretty hard um, and maybe maybe what the range is and, and if you maybe can do too much or if you know what what I think what most people hear is, six to eight hours of sleep for an adult is about what you need do athletes need more than that or or just just curious tony with your thoughts on on sleep and on how much sleep um you know typical high school or college athlete should be getting
1: yeah so i absolutely believe that story sleep is so underutilized and i understand that not every high school or college student can get as much sleep as a professional athlete Uh, just because they don't really have the time or maybe resources. Um, But I typically recommend for our students, um, so maybe high school or college, to shoot for about nine hours if they can um, or shoot for nine and a half. So you know how when you try to get ready for bed and it always takes way longer than kind of what you anticipate and you have to settle down and then finally fall asleep. So if you can shoot for the higher mark and then if you fall short, it's not that big a deal. But if you're shooting for eight and then you fall short, now you're at 715. Um, and that's not really going to cut it. And the reason why sleep is so important is be, for a lot of reasons. But it regulates your hormones. And those hormones can help your muscle recovery. Um, and then also a big surge of your hormones, usually human growth hormone, is around 10 to 11 p.m. for most um younger adults and so if you're asleep when that surge happens your body can actually use it more effectively which is going to help with muscle growth and recovery anyway uh, and your body's just gonna feel a lot better for it. Um, another thing that it does is it regulates your hunger cues um, so your there's two hunger hormones that get regulated while you're sleeping um, and so if you're sleeping poorly, then you might not be hungry during the day or vice versa. So either you're really hungry and now you're kind of, you're more likely to be kind of eating some junk food, you're kind of stress eating, or maybe you're um, just craving different things. Um, Or you could be not hungry when you should be, and you're not going to be fueling appropriately. So if you can sleep appropriately, those will kind of regulate themselves, and you'll be more likely to eat the quantity and the quality that you need to. Um, but sleep, a big one is it helps with body composition, which body comp is more of your the average of your muscles and your fat and kind of what the percentage of those two items in your body is. Uh, obviously, there's bones and organs and blood. Um, but the fat can actually, it's harder to burn fat or lose body fat with a poor sleep schedule. And it's also harder to build muscle. So, that's usually all I have to say to athletes. You're going to recover faster and you're going to build muscle faster. So, um, and you get to sleep more and I totally count naps as sleep too. So if people have more time for naps, um, that counts toward your total uh, sleep hour count.
0: And if someone is only getting seven hours of sleep, you know, give or take maybe a couple hours less than you'd recommend. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I thought you just kind of answered this, but can you just tell people, what what these young people that are still growing and their bodies are still maturing like what are they missing the most if they're not quite getting enough where where are they going to be deficient and does some of that come into like even concentration and things i know if you're if you're sleep deprived that's an issue but if you're getting like you know maybe not quite as much sleep as you'd recommend are those still going to be issues or is it just more about your, your physical development and recovery
1: Yeah, of course, concentration, um, your mood, how you feel, how you react to other people, your reaction time on the the field or in the classroom are all impacted. Um, But there is a study that um, looked at the phenotype of sleep, and that phenotype is different for every person, and it determines how, what your optimal amount of sleep is. And in that study, they determined that only one to 2% of individuals can perform at their best just in life performance, um, at 6.25 hours. Um, and that's only one to 2% of the population total. And so the likelihood of someone thinking that they can actually do well, at 6.25 hours or seven hours, they're pretty much just fooling themselves. Um, and so if, you're really trying to optimize your classroom time, your concentration, um, your performance on the field. All those things really can be impacted by sleep if you're not getting the appropriate amount. And you might not even notice until you start getting more sleep um, how big of an impact it can have.
0: It's pretty crazy. And I think it's, you know, for all adult individuals, it's probably something that that, uh, that they well, I know for me, uh, I'll be honest, you know, I, I know that I could benefit from more sleep. It's hard. It's hard as, and I'm sure everybody has their own situations, you know, but it's hard as an adult when you get your kids to bed and you kind of just want a little bit of time to unwind and then you got to get up early the next morning to begin your day. And, you know, finding that time is hard, but the benefits are certainly very, very clear. Um, can we talk next, Tony, just the last thing that we'll talk about is hi- hydration. One of the things you brought up, you know, one of the biggest deficiencies that you see with incoming student athletes is hydration. Um, let, let, let me just ask you to begin with, what, what do you mean by that? Can you just expand on that a little bit and where, where student athletes typically fall short, generally speaking in, in the hydration area?
1: Yeah. So we, you know, we have some people who are on top of it and then some people who are barely sipping any water. Uh, so being well hydrated, typically speaking, no, everyone has different sweat rates, but If you can drink half of your body weight in fluid ounces, so say you weigh 200 pounds, half of your body weight would be 100, then 100 ounces. So if you were to drink 100 ounces per day, plus what you sweat out during training is how you would be optimally hydrated. Now – if you chug all that water at the same time, you're more likely to pee it out. So if you were to sip, you're going to actually retain it a lot better. And so that's, I recommend carrying a water bottle with you all the time. And sometimes it's hard to determine how much you sweat out during training, but on average people actually will lose around two to four pounds of water during training. I, again, if you're a catcher, probably more, if you um, have your pads and gear on, um, or if it's a hot summer day, uh, you obviously will sweat out a little bit more. And so two pounds is about 32 ounces. Um, and so you can kind of keep that in the back of your mind to add that onto that original number. And the reason why hydration is so important, well, your body's mostly water. Your cells are 99.9% water and your brain obviously has a lot of water in it as well. And if your blood is flowing, slower because you're dehydrated you're kind of setting yourself up for fail um i i really tell people if you drink more water your blood's gonna flow like water and one of the things i call it if you're dehydrated is honey blood uh so your blood is moving like honey which is kind of gross to think about but if you have well hydrated blood the red blood cells get to your muscles quicker which brings or um, going to reduce soreness And reduce injury as well. And also if you're dehydrated, so if you think about if you are, maybe you're playing an early spring game and the weather is like 65 degrees out versus if you are outside, if you're working out and it's like a 80 degree day for your game, you're going to feel a lot more stress on the body and feel more tired. If you're dehydrated, your body temperature actually increases and your heart rate increases because of that. And that makes your workout feel much more difficult, and so you can't really push yourself as much. Uh, And so it's kind of the same thing, but instead of the outside temperature, it's more of an internal temperature. And obviously, it's not a 20-degree shift. You understand what I'm saying? Um, But the hotter it is, it's more stress, and it's more difficult on your body. And so being well hydrated can kind of mitigate that. Uh, and will actually make all your practices and competitions a little bit easier. And I always like to promote it because it's uh, free, and it's one of the easiest things you can do actually to improve your recovery time and reduce likelihood of injury. Uh, dehydrated, likelihood of getting a um, soft tissue injury, like a hamstring pull, quad strain, bicep tear, those all increase uh, dramatically if you're dehydrated.
0: Generally speaking, Tony, besides just kind of me- Aside from measuring the amount of water that I'm drinking throughout the day, is there an, a, another way that I can know if I'm hydrated? You know, j- just generally speaking, can I, is there something that I can kind of uh, just be self aware about and say, you know what, I think I'm kind of dehydrated. I, I don't know how much I've drank recently, but I can just, I feel this specifically, obviously just besides feeling thirsty. But is there something as a student athlete uh, or anything else just kind of throughout the day that, that you can, you? you talk to your athletes about and just kind of say, Hey, if you've, if you feel this happening, uh, then you probably haven't drank enough and you probably need to pick it up a little bit. Is, is there something like out, like that out there? Just maybe like an easy test for someone or just sort of a, a reminder. If someone is just really busy throughout the day, sometimes it's hard to like remember to drink enough, but are there any, any things like that that you can just point to, to help people just to kind of be self-aware about their hydration? Yeah,
1: definitely. So, well, one, here we do this fun thing where I test people's urine. Um, it's called a urine-specific gravity or a light refractometer, um, but not many people have that at their house. And so what I will tell people is look at your urine color and also how often you're going to the bathroom. If you only have to go to the bathroom three times a day, that's you're probably not very well hydrated. And also I call it lemonade versus apple juice. So if you have lemonade-looking urine, then you're good to go. If your urine looks more like apple that's not where you want to be. Uh, that means that your urine is very concentrated and you're not going to be well hydrated. Another thing you can look at, and you could be well hydrated and have salty sweat, but if you notice you have maybe sweat rings on your jersey or your practice tee, or you get really salty forehead, then that means you're heavy Sweater and the electric plate to cramp because they're sweating out so much
0: salt. When you are talking about hydration, do you recommend? Well, can I just drink water throughout the day? Can student athletes just drink water throughout the day? Do you do I? do I need, is it beneficial? Do you recommend student athletes to, to mix in a Gatorade or a Powerade or some sort of a, uh, something that's, that's, that's kind of marketed as a sports drink. That's going to have whatever electrolytes and, and some salt and whatever carbohydrates, whatever else those drinks have. Do you recommend just water, Tony? Or do you, do you think it's, it is a healthy choice to drink a sports drink throughout the day or maybe even at practice or like, like for me as a high school coach and as a college coach, we tried to have two coolers at a game for our players to drink from. And one was going to be a water cooler. The other was going to be a Gatorade cooler. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts on just things like that and mixing and other things, other, uh, other types of hydration besides water? Or are you just, are you just a water person for your student athletes?
1: Oh, I definitely recommend Gatorade as well. I don't recommend necessarily drinking it all day, every day, but maybe right before training and or during or after training, Um, you'll get a little bit more out of it for that. Um, And it kind of also helps because it will have a little bit of energy or that carbohydrate in there as well. Um, And then also, if someone knows they sweat out a lot, um, then making sure you replace it or we'll even do, uh, salt tabs. If we, if someone sweat out quite a lot, And um, we do that a lot for our football athletes because they practice in a the really hot fall for fall camp and they're in full pads. So we actually weigh them before and after their training and then give them hydration protocols based off of, um, the sweat that they lost, how much weight they lost. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend, um, you could also you also get electrolytes through food as well, and so if you're eating throughout the day, um, and then to make hydration a little bit more fun, you can do things like carbonated water, fruit juices, milk, smoothies, soups. Those all have hydration in them
0: as well. Awesome. This is Tony Langens, everybody. She's a sports dietitian at Oregon State University, the director of sports nutrition, I should say, the director of sports nutrition at Oregon State University. She contributes video to figuredoutbaseball.com. If you haven't checked that out, it's a totally free resource that you can go and, and really learn everything that you want to on and off the field. This would be one of the off the field subjects, but we have several really good uh, diet- dietitians, nutritionists that uh, that contribute to the website. But Tony, this has been a really enjoyable podcast. I'm so thankful for your time and just uh, appreciate that you were willing to, uh, you know, to come spend an afternoon with us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. And I hope that there's at least something in there that uh, helps somebody out.